not awkward at all having two guys like staring back at you like this, is it? <laughs> so, as you've guessed by now, we're going to do things a little bit different this morning. Uh, my good friend Derek and I are going to just have a conversation to um, help us deep or dive a little bit deeper into this topic about truth that we've been discussing uh, last week and I don't know how many weeks in the future, at least one more. Um, so I'm going to start because I thought it was fascinating that Merriam-Webster's online dictionary chose gaslighting yeah. as the top word for 2022. Um, they define gaslighting as the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage. Um, they have a more thorough definition, which I think really gets to why they chose the word and why it's so relevant to our conversation. Um, it's the psychological manipulation of a person usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, their own perception of reality or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence and self-esteem, and uncertainty of one's emotional or mental stability, and a dependence upon the perpetrator. There's so much in there oh, yeah. in that definition, isn't there? We just talk about that. Yeah, we, <laughs> we actually could. Um, it's more complex than a simple lie. Yep. Um, if we're talking about the truth, obviously the opposite is a lie. Um, it's much more nefarious too. Um, it, it, you know, really, it's uh, getting people to believe what is wrong and part of probably a larger plan. Um, I, this might be self-evident to everyone else here, um, but uh, Share with us, you know, why is the pursuit of truth even important? Why, why is this our topic for not just today, but multiple weeks um, talking about the truth? Uh, so the Sunday school answer, which is true, is that Jesus said so. Let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesus, Jesus said that the truth was important. Jesus claimed to be the truth. In uh, John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. When he's talking to the women at the well, he said, The time has now come that we worship God in spirit and in truth. And he said in, a, in another part of John, I think it's 15, but I'm a little fuzzy on that, is that I am the true vine and you are the branches. He who, who remains in me will bear much fruit. And then he says again in many, in many other places that that he is the truth, and that the, f the fact is that Jesus claims that not only is truth real, that there is the truth, mm -hmm. but that he, he himself doesn't reflect the truth, doesn't explain the truth, although he says that too, but he is in fact the truth. So, so Jesus himself is truth. It, it strikes me... As you say that, I mean, you just said this, but sometimes I have to say something out loud um, to lock it in. When we're pursuing the truth, we're pursuing Christ. Yep. When we're pursuing Christ, we're pursuing the truth. Right, absolutely. Um, it is the same thing. Yeah. Um, reality. Again, who, who defines reality? That's the real question. What is real? And God claims that, Jesus claims that he defines reality. And we'll talk about that. Uh, in our in our conversation, but as we look out at what's real, mm -hmm. what's true, what we can build on, 
what's the foundation, if you will. It's not an algorithm. Okay, no foundation fans out there. Um, as a guy, anyways, I digress completely. Is that a sports analogy? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, it's just, I'm a geek. It's a science fiction analogy. Okay. Foundation series by Isaac Alman. Okay. <laughs> the foundation is, is God himself, that he says what is real and what is interpreted through that mm-hmm. lens is, in fact, what is true. That's great. So uh, let's just jump right into John 18. Sure. Um, where uh, Jesus is interacting with Pilate. Um, so Jesus is in a trial. Yeah. What is like? So again, the, the, real, the question becomes, is what Jesus said true? And so he gets arrested for saying things that other people don't believe. And he is controversial. He is saying that other people are saying not true things, mm-hmm. and that he is saying true things, that he is true. And so he gets arrested, and the, the attempt is going to be made, and it's, it's successful eventually. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. Yeah. <laughs> that Jesus gets killed by those that don't believe what he's saying. And so we're, we're, at, we're at actually the third part of this trial, real late at night. Fantastic. So he's before Pilate, who has the authority to set him free mm-hmm. or have him executed. And uh, Pilate asks, you are a king then? And Jesus replied, you say that I'm a king. I was born for this, and I've come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? Yeah. Said Pilate. Again, that's, that's the question, right? Jesus says that I was born for this, and I'm going to testify to the truth. In fact, I'm talking about testify is just a fancy word for I witness or I, I talk about the truth. And then Pilate, as a good Roman, most Romans were actually pretty secular. They believed the gods were out there somewhere, and you should probably do some sacrifices. But really, it comes down to what I want to do, power. How much power can I accumulate for myself? Sounds, sounds very similar to some it other things we hear does sound nowadays. kind of familiar. And so he says, hey, you said you're the testifying of the truth. What exactly is truth? And that's the question that we come to mm-hmm. as we look at where what is truth? So you said Jesus was truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, why don't you unpack that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's talk about uh, John 1. Okay. And uh, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Logos. And the word was God. Was God. Yeah. So the word is this is the translation of this Greek concept called logos in which there is real true things and then everything here on earth is a shadow. But the interpretation when you look towards what is real is interpreted through the word through the logos. Mm-hmm. And so John is writing to kind of a, a less a less um, Hebrew a less Israelite audience. He's out in the world. He's been a pastor for a long time, mm-hmm. and he's trying to say to his non-Jewish audience, hey, what, how do I explain who Jesus is? Mm-hmm. And so he says, hey, Jesus is this thing that you've known all your life that you've brought up to understand interprets reality. That reality is out there, but there you, can, you can know reality through the, the, the view through the word, through the logos. And he says, Jesus is that. And then as he goes along, he says, you know, Jesus is the light. The light mm-hmm. came into the world. The world was dark, but the darkness didn't, could not mm-hmm. overcome 
this, this, this real view of reality, the light that shines in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And then he also says that Jesus came, again, another truth came, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Those go together, but one doesn't live without the other one. So if Jesus is truth, all these claims, and he's literally sitting across from Pilate, maybe as close as we are right now, I, I don't know, and Pilate doesn't recognize it for what it is and is asking this question, well, what is truth? He can't even recognize it. How did we go so wrong? Yeah, so again, it's not a, it's not a new thing. There's a, a famous philosopher that sings a song, Julie Andrews, and she sings a song that you may have heard. Let's start at the very beginning, the very best place to start. So again, God interprets truth for us, and we'll go back to the beginning, uh, Genesis. Great, Genesis 1. Yep. Fantastic. We've got a couple verses here from Genesis 1, starting uh, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. What do you want us to take from that? God created. Again, God is claiming that he has the right and that, in fact, he did make everything. The old concept is from nothing. God mm -hmm. created. There was chaos. God looked at that chaos and he, he made it ordered. Mm -hmm. That he ordered it the way that he has the authority to and is, in fact, able to. And he's the only one that is able to do that. So then he created human beings. And God, again, makes a statement. Not only did I create, but I created human beings to reflect who I am. Mm -hmm. That we are a reflection. We are an image of God. Not only are we an image of God, but we are different than animals. Mm -hmm. That we are a different type of being. We're not just a highly evolved animal. We're not just a type of animal that has, you know, a bigger brain and more cardiovascular resources that, and more chemicals related mm -hmm. to the brain that has evolved over billions of years to be better than other animals. We're, in fact, a, literally a different kind of being. That's the truth claim of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And then there's only two types of human beings. There's male human beings and female human beings. There's, no, there's nothing between that. And God says, I have the right to decide who is male and who is female. Mm -hmm. And I, I did that, and I, I made that on purpose. And then he says, hey, have, have kids. Multiply. Mm -hmm. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the, the sea. Rule animals. And again, so we have power. We are, we are made in God's image. And we, God says that we have power over the nature. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we can. We can destroy nature. We can build nature up. We can eat from nature. We can, it's, it's not, and we'll talk about this again in a little bit, but we have, are fighting with nature. Mm -hmm. And nature's fighting back against us. That's not how he originally made it. God made it us to work in harmony, but those are some of the massive, immensely consequential truth claims that God makes at the very beginning of this, mm -hmm. of the narrative. And, and he gave us a rule. He gave us one rule, and I believe we have that on, on the slide. Genesis well. 2, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. And then it goes wrong. Yeah. So just... God made one rule, 
And that's because he hates us, wants to harsh our mellow, doesn't like us, and is really upset that, that we're here. So he made a rule, and uh, it's to constrain us and to keep us from having fun. First service laughed at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so clearly he did yeah. not do it just to spoil yeah. our fun. So, <laughs> so why did God give Adam and Eve this one rule? What was his purpose in that if it wasn't to steal our mojo? Three things God wants. God wants us to have a perfect relationship with him, a perfect relationship with each other, and a perfect relationship with nature. Mm -hmm. And so God wants us to be innocent. So the, those perfect relationships are only carried out in the, in the aspect or underneath innocence. Mm -hmm. And with, with the loss of innocence, we, had, we get shame and guilt. And innocence is not knowing that you're doing anything wrong and not doing anything wrong, in fact. And so God's desire was that we be fully shame, shameless is not the right word because, again, that's been twisted, but we, ha we don't have shame. He said that the man and woman were put in the garden together naked, and they didn't feel any shame because there was nothing wrong with that, that they were completely innocent about that relationship, that they had a perfect and awesome relationship with one another, with God and with nature. Nature took care of them. They took care of nature. God, of course, created nature to nurture them. They could, they could eat anything that they wanted except for this one, and God didn't want them to hurt themselves. So it, he made one rule. It reminds me that uh, God wants us to have faith like a child, that yeah. innocent, pure, I don't understand everything, but I believe right. kind of faith. And then Genesis 3, it all goes wrong. Right. Or, or the rest of Genesis 3, I guess I should say. Um, or no, it is 3, sorry. Yeah. Um, now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. All right, well, Satan is a liar and a murderer from the beginning, as Jesus said. So Satan's fall, as far as we can tell in Scripture, God actually doesn't spend a whole lot of time explaining Satan, but mm -hmm. from the, I think there's three Scriptures mm -hmm. that talk about Satan. Satan wanted to be like God. Uh, he rebelled against God because he wanted to be God, and God threw him out. There wasn't really a fight. There's no, there's no duality. Total aside, this is free. There's no duality between good and evil. God is infinitely more powerful than Satan. There's not this yin and yang. There's not this struggle. God wins every single time he wants to, like that. There's no contest. He throws Satan out. Satan took a third. There's a lot of clearly a lot of angels that wanted to be on the what they thought was going to be the winning side they fall from lightning from heaven so satan's desire satan's goal is to ruin god's creation he tried to ruin it in heaven got thrown out so he wants to ruin it here mm. so he comes to eve and by the way satan's never changed his tactics satan's never different in his tactics he does the same three things throughout history. So any lie that, you've, that you see now, same exact way that Satan does it. He, he causes us to doubt. He denies God's word. 
and then he deludes us into thinking that God's word is not, not what it says it is. Let's look at Eve's response, sure. and then you can unpack each of those three Ds. Absolutely. Um, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Um, so you mentioned uh, doubt, deny, and delude. How, mm -hmm. how did Satan and Eve, and for what it's worth, Adam was there too. He's just as guilty. Let's not get yeah. wrapped up in that. Talk to us about those three, three things. Sure, so doubt. Satan will always say, and he said at the very beginning, did God really say? And then he also says, did God really say don't eat any of the, he's patently lying, did God really say don't eat from any tree in the garden? And of course, Eve corrects him, sort of. She says, no, no, no. He said don't eat of the tree of the, in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and don't touch it. So Eve's already added a rule. We like that as humans, right? We're uh, we want to be in control, so we've decided to add extra rules to what God said. God just said, "Don't eat from it." Yeah. Touch it is a good rule, right? You, if you don't touch it, you can't eat from it. But Satan just says, "Hey, did God really say that? Did God really say I created male and female? Did God really say love your neighbor? Did God really say that being a servant to your wife is the way to love her? Did God really say that?" His way is, is the best. Did God really say, again, mm -hmm. over and over again, we hear this question. Mm -hmm. Did God really say these things? And if we don't know, Eve clearly hadn't been doing her devotions, <laughs> so she didn't know what the, what the answer was. Or, actually the case is, Adam may not have told her the right thing. Mm -hmm. So God says to Adam, don't eat. Mm -hmm. And maybe he conveyed it. Maybe he added the rule that, mm -hmm. Eve, that he knew. So again, doubt, mm -hmm. and then deny, and then Satan moves to, eh, you won't really die. Mm -hmm. Just straight up denial. God is not telling you the truth. You won't actually die. There's no consequence. Uh, there's a, the excellent example is, have you ever experienced death? Have you ever seen anybody that's died? Clearly God doesn't know what he's talking about. In your experience, trust your feelings, Eve. In your experience, you've never seen anybody die. So clearly, God doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he you won't die. It's, I mean, look, follow your heart. Isn't that, that, and we see that Eve follows her. She saw that it was shiny and good to eat. Mm -hmm. So he says, you know, you won't really die. And then that last, that last thing, I like to call it delete as well. <laughs> delude or delete he doesn't want you to be like him he created you in his image but really you could be like God if you eat that fruit then your eyes will be open and then you'll be like God knowing good and evil he's keeping things from you God was jealous of me Satan's talking and again I'm putting words in his mouth this is not in scripture God was jealous of of who I was, so he kicked me out. He didn't want me to have, to, mm. to be, he didn't want to be me to be my actual self. He didn't want me, me to be who I really could be. So he kicked me out of the garden, and he doesn't want you to be who you really could be as well. 
knowing good and evil. So why don't you just take it and your eyes will be opened and then you'll know. So Eve takes it mm-hmm. and she eats and Adam takes and he eats and chaos ensues. <laughs> Shame enters the scene. Yep. Yeah, they knew they were naked. They didn't know they were naked. And mm-hmm. then God asked later, how'd you know you were naked? Mm-hmm. Well, now, I'm, now, now they're not innocent anymore. Mm-hmm. Now they have sinned, which is the fancy word of doing something you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And the whole world gets cursed because of it. Absolutely. They, Adam. And then, again, the relationship breaks down, right? Adam steps up, takes responsibility, <laughs> says it was my fault. He says, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Two implications. Three implications. Ooh. I'm not at fault. It's not my fault. My environment made me do it. And who created that environment? God, you made the woman. And second, you put a naked woman in front of me giving me a fruit, so it's your fault. I didn't do it. It's not my fault. God made the environment, and somebody else caused me to sin. Mm. And boom, chaos ensues from there on mm-hmm. That had to have been an awkward dinner that night between Adam and Eve. Well, they could at least have figs, right? They, <laughs> there you they, go. Yeah. There you go. Um, so we start doubting God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we start denying what he said, we replace the truth with lies. That's what, what I hear with yeah. the delude and or, and or delete. Yeah. Um, and we end up full of chaos. Yeah, absolutely. You've already been pretty politically incorrect yep. today. Um, uh, why are you so confident to say things that the culture around us um, would say is true and we all have to honor and respect? Because, again, it goes back to, is Jesus, is what Jesus said true? Mm-hmm. And again, Jesus, by the way, repeats Genesis chapter 1 in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 when he's talking about marriage. He repeats Genesis 1 as a basis for marriage. So we can't, again, I've heard it said, well, Jesus didn't really say that. Well, again, delusion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus did, in fact, say God created it this way, male and female, and that's why we have marriage, and that's what marriage is. But again, it goes back to, was Jesus making correct claims, or was he crazy? Mm -hmm. Because when you say, I am the truth, you're either right, Mm -hmm. or you're, as C.S. Lewis says, you're on the level of someone who claims he is a poached egg. There's no middle ground. Either Jesus was right or he was absolutely out of his mind and was nuts and deserved to get, he wasn't murdered. In that case, he wasn't mm-hmm. murdered. He was killed because he was nuts. Mm-hmm. And he should have been because he was making bigoted, crazy claims about, about the way the world works. That's great. So um, we need to pursue truth. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come back just a, a little bit. Sorry. I'm going sure. off script for those of you who are wondering. Um, uh, why is truth so important? 
apart from just Jesus, period. Because we don't view reality for some reason, and, and again, we've explained why we're talking about it. There's, there's truth in so many other mm-hmm. realms, right? There's truth in physics. Mm-hmm. There's truth in math. There's truth in um, the quantum realm, mm-hmm. going back to physics, Newtonian and Einsteinian, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Physics, there's, so, so those three realms, and the cosmos, mm-hmm. and the way that we look at the way the, the cosmos is formed and what it does, light, for instance, there's rules in all of that. So no matter what you believe about gravity, yes. there is a, in fact, we call it a law right. of gravity. Yeah, and regardless if it's Newtonian gravity or Einsteinian gravity, you still fall if you jump off of a building, right? Used to be a paratrooper. If you jump out of a, of a perfectly good aircraft going 165 miles an hour and your chute doesn't open, the instructor would say you have the rest of your airborne life to open your reserve. Because I can identify as a bird. I can feel in my heart that I could fly. I could try to actualize the fact that I may be able to fly, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Plummet to the ground and either severely injured or, or die because it's a law. Mm-hmm. And the moral laws are just as binding and just as, ef- as effective as all those other, lo- uh, all those other laws. And there, a philosopher at, at University of Southern uh, California wrote a, a ton of books, and one of those is Knowing Christ Today. And he says that moral law, knowing God, is just as possible as knowing what 2 plus 2 means, hmm. knowing the various parts of an atom, knowing that stars are out there and they're formed and give light, knowing, in fact, that all of these other things work. You can know Dallas Willard. Mm-hmm. Knowing Christ today, he says that that knowledge is just as accessible and just as true as all the other stuff. You just have to conform to the laws of reality. Okay, so moral laws are just as real and true and ultimately, um, well, maybe even, well, binding, yes, absolutely, as the other, what we would call sciences. Yeah. Um, uh, Give us an example of, because it seems like Pilate. What is truth? We live in an age where people don't think that's the case. Let's start with what we agree on. Sure. What's a moral law that we all agree on? Love your neighbor. Be kind to others. Yep. I actually prefer the don't kill your toddler. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I want to. Yeah, definitely. you know, he made it. He's 18 now. He's fine. Um. And yet it seems like there are other moral laws that the the world around us is so quick to deny. Right, but nobody believes that. If you're going to, children, friend, you just talked about that. Mm-hmm. We, we all discipline our children. Don't we want them to just follow their heart and understand from experience that putting their hot, their hand in a burning fire, you know, they just mm-hmm. they should just be able to learn that by themselves. Mm. I mean, what th- we we're, we're keeping them from understanding that 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 thing that they could do. So follow your heart follow isn't good heart. advice. It's it nobody really actually believes that. Francis Schaeffer used to do this when you could get away with this in the 60s. He would be teaching a class 
in, uh, in Switzerland or in Germany, and one of his students would come up to him, and he said, they'd say, Professor, I just don't believe in, in moral truth. I think you should just do what your heart desires, and he would smack him with a ruler. <laughs> and they'd be like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't like idiots, and it makes me happy to smack you. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, but you know, you don't, I just don't believe that, you know, that's wrong. Oh, really? Who gets to decide what's wrong? Mm-hmm. What is wrong? So you don't think that I should hit you with the ruler because that's wrong, but it makes me happy. <laughs> and to use a disgusting example, let's say I like torturing and killing people. Everybody's like, well, that's, that's wrong. That's, mm-hmm. we, sh- we shouldn't do that. That makes me happy. I feel good about that. You know, I get, it. I get, I get power. I get satisfaction. I don't. <laughs> this is an example. <laughs> I get power. I get satisfaction. I get to control. It makes me happy. So how do we know then if we don't get to arbitrate for ourselves? How do we know the truth? Well, like we said, it comes back to Jesus. Hmm. Who gets to decide what is real? And again, it's already been decided. Let me, make this, let me make this clear. It's already been decided. All the laws are already in place. We can either conform to reality, which we have a hard time doing as human beings, or not conform to reality. And not conforming to the reality in the, in the moral universe mm-hmm. is just as dumb as jumping out of an, aerpl- an airplane without a parachute. You smack the ground. And we've all done it. Boy, have I smacked the ground morally. And it's hurt, and it's caused mm-hmm. division, and it's caused pain. And the, the moral laws are there to keep that from happening. God, you know, again, going, going back to God says, love my wife as he loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know how, like, Christy puts the radio on in every room in the house, and sometimes I don't like what's on the radio, You know what God says? It doesn't matter what I think. She mm. likes to do that. That makes her, it encourages her. It's always good music. It's usually praise music. Why does that upset me? Because mm-hmm. I'm selfish. And I'm arrogant. Not that, and then that smacks into, and then if, I, mm-hmm. if I'm a jerk about it, it causes, causes that rift. I've run into the wall. I've fallen out of the airplane. Mm-hmm. And our relationship suffers from it. And if I keep doing it, our relationship can be completely broken. The law is already there. Mm-hmm. If we don't conform to it, we hit the ground. So what's the natural result of not pursuing truth, whether it's moral or otherwise? Chaos. That sounds kind of like our, <laughs> our world these days, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. Um, Did you want to talk about our book here? Sure. Um, so not our book. We didn't no, write this, book. Uh, this conversation. And in fact, this whole sermon series was partially inspired by this book. Um, uh, it's called live your truth and other lies exposing popular deceptions that make us anxious, exhausted, and self-obsessed. It's by a wonderful, uh, woman named Alyssa Childers. Um, she's a blogger, podcaster. I highly recommend you listen to her. She's an apologist. She defends her faith. Um, and, and in fact, um, 
gosh, I don't have time to say how awesome she is. Um, the exposing lies part is really important to her, and she talks about how even within Christianity and in many churches, um, incredibly destructive lies are being taught as truth um, and how we owe it to ourselves to search the scriptures for ourselves mm -hmm. to find the truth. Anything you'd add to that? It's okay if not. There's, there's a, this is a great book, and she's got a ton of good lies. The, the one that, that we hear, unfortunately, in church that she does talk about is God just wants you to be happy. God does want you, again, define happiness, right? God wants you to have, God does want you to have your best life now, not as Joel Olstein talks about it, <laughs> but as a conformity mm -hmm. to his honor. If Paul and Silas were in jail Bail they could not pay. There's that old Sunday school song. They started to sing songs. What makes you What makes you happy? What gives you that happiness? How can Christians throughout the ages, to include during when ISIS took over much of Syria and Iraq, Christians being executed singing songs? Yeah, God wants us to be happy, but not in the way that it's talked about. There's so many, the, the uh, mama bear and mama bear apologetics, mm -hmm. another lady, she just talks about linguistics being stolen. It's been hijacked. She gets it from George Orwell, not a Christian, by the way, really, really not a Christian, who in, in his book, 1984, uh, he doesn't have any hope at the end of that book, by the way. That's, that's a depressing book if you've ever read it. He talks about new speak, that we take words and we turn them around and we make them say things that, that are not true. Tolerance being one of those words. Tolerance means I don't agree with you. This is what it actually means. I don't agree with you. I love you. And so we're going to agree that, I, that we disagree and we're, gonna, we're just going to go our separate ways or, or continue to hang out with each other. Sorry, we're, we're running out of time, but that's what I do in my office every day. I have people that diametrically are opposed and we tolerate each other we know we don't agree but in a professional environment we tolerate each other we don't necessarily accept each other but that's what that word has come to mean tolerance now means you have to agree that what i say is is right and true but we've already talked about that doesn't make any sense because we don't all agree <laughs> that, that that so you can't have both and again come back next time no I'm kidding well there there yeah. is a truth to come <laughs> yeah. back next yeah, week right. because yeah. this conversation is going to continue um can't remember if Preston or I I'm think Preston sure. will be here yeah. um let's let's land the plane with this um there are a couple key truths that uh underlie everything else mm -hmm. Um, we'll just skip to the, the end. Who is Jesus? Yep. Right? I mean, that's one of the truth claims that, that we have to wrestle with. Um, and then what do we do about it? Yep. Right? Yeah. And um, yeah, that can be our jumping off point towards communion um, because of what he did. If, if those things aren't true, mm -hmm. what he did 2,000 years ago aren't important. So right. talk to us a little bit about um, 
Yeah, so uh, again, Scripture tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took, his, took his, the 12 guys that he was closest to up into an upper room, and he said, I define reality. He says, in fact, I define reality so much, I'm going to change the promise mm. that God has made to you. I am the new promise. God has made this promise that he was going to send a Messiah, that he was going to crush Satan's head, Again, going back to Genesis at the very in, in Genesis chapter three, and that Satan would bruise my heel. And I'm here to say that I am that fulfillment of that promise. That when I die, that you can be changed. That the promise now is I take the pain and the guilt and the shame, and I die. And I take all that so that you don't have to. And that's why we take communion. He says, every time you get together, Jesus says, remember, I changed reality. I am the way. This is my body, broken for you. This is the blood of the new promise that God no longer is going to punish sin Hmm. if you trust in me. And obey my commands. And that's why we come together every week. Because Jesus said, hey, remember, until I come back, mm-hmm. I change reality. And mm-hmm. I get to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the truth claim that we made. And that's, that's how, why, why it's so important that we talk about this. So where there was death, chaos, and shame... Jesus turned it into life. I, I don't want to say order, but mm-hmm. yeah. order. Um, and a, a restoration of innocence. Yep. That's beautiful. Amen. Pray for us as we go sure. into communion. Um, if you didn't pick some up, we have it at the table here and in the back. And then after a a few moments, I will close our time of communion together as well. Let's pray. Father, help us to come to this time to remember that as we remember Christmas, that you came innocent. You lived innocent. You died innocent. taking all of our shame and all of our guilt upon yourself. Thank you and help us to remember that as we come together at this time and eat the symbol of your body and drink the symbol of your blood until you come again in glory. In your name we pray. Amen.